Uh, I'm pleased to announce that we have a guest speaker, a good friend of mine, uh, Derek Bocamp. He's been here a number of times, and we're glad to have him back. So welcome, Derek. Thanks, Jim. All right. Hey, good to see you all. Uh, awesome to be here. Normally, I'm here uh, on the weekend between Christmas and New Year's, and so it's awesome to see you guys in April in springtime. You look great, even better than in winter. Uh, I, I really am uh, overjoyed to, to get to be here today, and welcome to uh, those of us joining online as well. A little bit about me, uh, my name's Derek, my wife and I live just over the hill in Prescott, uh, and for many years I served at United Christian Youth Camp, uh, where your students go to camp, and just recently uh, I've kind of transitioned to working with a few different churches and ministries, and uh, that's how I get to spend my time, and I love this church, I love that I get to be uh, a small part and, and get to come see you guys, and uh, it's just a, a privilege to get to be here today, so thank you all for for being so welcoming. And, and today, I'm looking forward to uh, where we're going to camp in God's Word. And, and it was set up a bit in the video we watched about communion. It's going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. And what I truly believe is, as we dive in, we're going to be looking at one of the most impactful sections of Scripture. And here's our goal today. It's kind of a twofold goal is that as we come into this room and we're carrying whatever it is that we're, we're carrying and we're bringing in here, we're going we're gonna to lean into God's word and we want it to shape us and shape our actions. And then we also want to have a bigger picture of who God is. That's what we want to accomplish today together. Have you ever had a moment where you were wondering what God was up to? Anyone ever had a moment like that? Like, God, what are you doing with this, this situation? Can I tell you guys a story? Okay. This was just a couple of months ago, and this is my God, what are you doing moment. It was a Saturday night, and my wife was in our office doing some work, and I was in our bedroom and not doing any work, and we hear this noise, right? We hear this like, boom, and the whole house shakes, and there's this thunderous crash, and my wife yells, did you hear that? And I thought it would have been funny to say no, but I said, yes, I heard that, and so she runs out of the office, I run out of our room, and we meet in the living room, and there's this thunderous noise, and we don't know what's going on, and in our living room, the front door is right there. And we're like looking at the front door like, someone's gonna have to go out there. And I'm like, it's probably you, babe. <laughs> and I have that moment like, oh no, I'm the man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, need to, I need to walk outside and, and see what just happened. And so I make my way over to the front door, and as I open it, this is a picture of what I saw. A Dodge Grand Caravan stuck in the side of our home. What do you do? <laughs> they don't give you, there's no pastor training on that. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. And Marley's like, what do you see? And I'm like, it's not butterflies and rainbows, sweetheart. I was like, call 911. It gets even worse. All I can hear from inside the minivan is screaming. <laughs> I was just like, ah, I think I, this is probably just a situation I could ignore for a little while. I make my way up to the vehicle. 
no one's getting out. And I open the door. And there's two high school girls sitting in the car, screaming at the top of their lungs, not hurt at all, <laughs> just in pure terror. Ah! So like a good uh, man of God, I, I just looked at them and I said, shh, shh, be quiet. <laughs> I was like, are you hurt? And, and they're like, no. And so in my mind, I'm like, then you don't get to yell. <laughs> you just drove a Dodge Grand Caravan into the side of my home. I said, you're not hurt? And I was like, go inside. Well, then it occurs to me that the part of the house that they ran into, we rent that part of the house out to a friend of ours who has a cat. And I'm like, well, it's just a cat, but I should check. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, cat fans. So I run into the other room, and sure enough, the drywall is caved in, all the brick is off the side, and I can't find Louie the cat. <laughs> so now, in a matter of like five minutes, I'm on like my hands and knees crawling around in that room going, Louie boy, Louie boy, where are you at? I can't find the cat. I'm like, this is the weirdest night of my entire life. There's two girls who just drove their car into the side of our house, and my wife is in the living room talking with them about Jesus. I'm on my hands and knees looking for a cat because there's a Dodge Van Caravan that just drove its way into our home. I don't like this. Funny enough, my, my, our, our, our tenant had actually taken the cat out on a drive. <laughs> Who does that with a cat? <laughs> the cat was fine. And it was this moment where as the night is going on, I'm like, God, what are you doing? <laughs> What's going on with this? And my wife looked at me, and she's so wise. She just looked at me uh, about an hour into this whole scenario as they're shutting the power off to the home, and the inspector is kicking in our drywall, and you just feel so invaded, right? Like, this is such a gross feeling to have happen to your home. And my wife's like, let's just, let's just trust the Lord in all this. And I'm like, I don't know. She's like, let's trust the Lord. And now as a couple of months have gone on and you have to get the insurance money and all that, my wife has been a North Star to just say, keep saying, God's doing something <laughs> in this. We have to keep being faithful. We can't get frustrated. We have to keep trusting that God is up to something. And this is the truth in every moment of our lives, even when cars aren't crashing through our homes. I wouldn't wish that on any of you. But in every moment, small, large, funny, and serious... God is up to something, and we have an opportunity to respond to what God is up to. We always have that option, and so no matter where you're at today and what you brought into this room, I, I don't know whether you came in heavy-hearted or you're on fire for the Lord or there's things on your mind, there's stresses, I, wherever you're at today, it's my hope that you would see what God is up to. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 starts off this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You're taught something in Bible college. Many of you might have heard this before. When you see therefore, you ask, what's it there for? Therefore, right, right, right in that space, refers to Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as kind of the, the hall of faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it lists out many faithful believers throughout all of God's word, the Bible, 
and how they trusted the Lord. So it says, therefore, because of those folks, because of these heroes of the faith, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, there's something I want us to catch there. A great cloud of witnesses. It means that there, there is a legacy of faith that we're part of when we're Jesus followers. I want to encourage us with something. There's an implication for us in modern day. If you're a Jesus follower, we are not the first set of folks to face difficult times. We are not the first generation of believers where we didn't feel like everything was going our way. <laughs> this is not the first time in the history of faith where we met opposition. There's a great cloud of witnesses who bears evidence to us. And in this moment today, this is just your and I's blip on the timeline. To be witnesses to the faith. And here's what we can do as we kind of start to look at it through a perspective of being a Jesus follower and having faith. This great cloud of witnesses, Abraham, Moses, David, as we look at, at these people, God had them. And the same God that had those great cloud of witnesses has us. This is good news for the modern day believers. So we start this off and we say, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, it goes on and says, let us also lay aside every weight. Let us also lay aside every weight. Now, there's two things I want to point out here. Let us also implies that this great cloud of witnesses, they had stuff to work on too. <laughs> let us also means that just like they went through trials and they went through difficulties, and God had stuff that, that they needed to work on, hey, let us also. So God has stuff to do, and then this is a great distinction. It says, let, let us also lay aside every weight. Now, we don't need to move forward, but in, in just a second, it's going to say weights and sins. I want to make a very important distinction for us here. God's word in Hebrews is making two different points. Let us lay aside weights and let us lay aside sins. Two different things here. Now, many of us have weights in our lives. And when the Bible makes a distinction between weights and sins, it's implying that there are things in your life that might not necessarily be sin, but they don't help you run. There are small things that are in your life that are keeping you from living God's best life for you. And they're weights, and they're subtle. And here's the thing about weights, because we might not see them as blatantly bad or unhealthy, we let them live and slip into our lives. So this scripture is saying, lay aside the weights. You might be thinking to yourself, well, well what is a weight. I'll, I'll list a few out and then I'll share one that, that I struggle with. Some weights in your life. It, it could be money. Your life might not be all about money. It might not be that the love of money has taken place in your heart over the love of God, because scripture says that's, that's a sin. But it could be more of a weight in that my safety or my security is in how much 
money I have. And you know what? It's not unhealthy, and I'm still generous, but it's keeping me from running. It's keeping me from, from setting my eyes on Jesus. Image could be one of those things. Being obsessed with how everyone views you. And so we don't share about Jesus with other people. We don't share honestly uh, things we see in other people's lives or things we see in our own life that we want to talk about. We don't share these things because we're scared of how we might be portrayed. I wrestle with that one big time. This is a weight. Keeps us from running. Not taking care of your, your health, obsession with social media, scrolling through the news, making them your modern-day prophet. All these things are weights that keep us from running. And here's the truth. We live in a world that surrounds us with weights. We live in a world that surrounds us with weights and creates noise that keeps us from Jesus. There are so many distractions that we have in our life, and if the, if the enemy can just put up weights and that's what keeps us from the Lord, he's content just to do that. One of, them, one of, one of the weights that I struggle most with, and this is just going to sound like a small thing, but I'll just try and illustrate it for you, and maybe, maybe you'll find yourself with that. I'm a, I'm a millennial, and I grew up where I, I was just given a screen. I didn't choose to be given a screen, it just was, I was given screens. Here's a computer, here's video games, here's all this stuff. And so, as a kid, when I felt stressed out or I felt uh, like life was spinning out of control, when you're just a little kid, you're not going, I wonder if screen time is going to be healthy for my overall view of life. <laughs> you're not thinking that way when you're 10, you're like, Pokemon is awesome. <laughs> so here's what I've noticed as I've gotten older, is a weight that I have in my life is when I feel stressed out, or I feel anxious, or I feel like the world's spinning, or a, a, a dodge hit my house, <laughs> I just, I go to screens. I'm just, oh, just going to flip on Netflix real quick and scroll on my phone while I'm streaming video on my iPad <laughs> and playing a video game over. No, it's not that bad. And what I do is I, I use that as a coping mechanism. It's a weight. Why? Because then it's easy for me to go around and say, like, well, I haven't really had time to be in God's word. <laughs> really? Because you and your wife are caught up on the Great British Baking Show. Just an example. Uh, <laughs> it's a weight that keeps me from running. We all have these weights, and so, again, we're looking for, for, for ways God is trying to get our attention here. We're trying to open our eyes to way, ways God is getting our attention. And so here, here's the first question, and, and if you have a bulletin or you want to take a note, here's the first question I want you to ask yourself. Jesus' followers should ask themselves this question, does this help me run toward Jesus? Does this help me run toward Jesus? What is the this? <laughs> you can use this question as a tool throughout your day. Is this thing a weight? Does it help me run towards Jesus? Fill in the blank in that space. Does the, the pattern I'm after or are the actions I'm taking or the, the habits I've created, do they help me run towards Jesus? And as someone who's on the journey with you and does not have it all together, if the answer is no, we have to lay it aside. 
We have to start exiting those things from our life because they are not God's best for us. So we lay aside every weight, and then the scripture goes on, it says, and sin, which clings so closely. So we're going to lay aside every weight, and we're going to lay aside every sin that clings so closely. I want to highlight the last word there. You guys see that word, closely? Now, this is very interesting that it's there. Each of us have our own flavor of sin, our own thing that we struggle with. And what we understand sin to be as Jesus followers is that God has laid out a best way to do life. And when we go against that best way, we're outside of God's plans for us. We're living in what's called sin. And it's not supposed to be this guilt or this hammer or this bat. It's that God has a best for us. And when we're outside of that, that's sin. And then this scripture says, sin that clings so closely. I don't know if you guys have felt this at all, but it's very easy with the the specific thing you struggle with, that it becomes so much a part of our lives, that it clings so closely to us that we forget that it's there. Tracking with me? That we have allowed something into our lives and it has clung on to us and it is closely with us. And what we have to be aware of is it is easy for us to forget that this is not God's best in our life. Some examples to be helpful. And again, I want to emphasize here, not perfect, struggling, struggling right along with all believers here. Sin that clings so closely for some of us could look like this. You lose your temper so often. And at the start, you, you might have thought, this isn't God's best. But over time, it gets so close to us, and we start to say things like, well, I have so much going on. Or I lose my temper because of these employees that I've got. <laughs> I, lose my, I lose my temper because people don't understand what makes me lose my temper. <laughs> And you've, you've let your anger run out of control for so long and it's become so close that we start to think it's a personality trait <laughs> instead of something God could use for his glory and could work on. Right, that's an example of a sin which clings so closely. We talked about a, a bit of this, but, but you, might, you might have idolatry of, of, of money or status, and, and really that's what your north star is. And, and there was a time where you thought, man, this, this probably isn't good, but once I make enough money, <laughs> I'll get over this. And it's been an active part of your life for a long time, and now it's so close we forget that it's sin. For the spirit of authenticity, I'll, I'll share mine with you guys. Uh, I, in, on every personality test and on everything uh, that, that, that can be seen in me, activity and achievements is like my, my North Star. I'm always going to the next thing, I'm always busy, I'm always all of these things. And when I'm not careful, I start to justify that under this concept of I'm just doing the Lord's work. <laughs> and that, it's kind of whatever I choose for it to be, and it doesn't matter if I ignore my family. 
It doesn't matter if I'm not in God's word. It doesn't, doesn't matter. As long as I'm achieving and I'm going after it and I'm doing what I think is God's work, then, then I, I, I'm good. And what that does is that steals me from actually having faith in the Lord, in living out my calling at home, in being a good, faithful young man. And if I'm not careful, that gets so close to me that I just see that as my identity. That's just who I am. But Hebrews is urging us, we need, to, we need to get rid of this sin that clings so closely. How kind and good is God's word that it points that out for us? That we've got these things in our life. And why do we do this? We don't do this so that God will love us. God already loves you. We do these things because when we have sin in our life, it's what I mentioned a moment ago, we're going against God's best. If you're looking for more joy, more peace, more purpose, if you're looking for fruit of the Spirit to be in your life, look at some of these things. Look at getting rid of some of the weights. Look at, look at getting rid of some of these sins which cling so closely. So here's the second question you might ask. What sin is in my life that I have not addressed? What sin is in my life that I have not addressed? This could be a fun car ride home. (laughs) (laughs) We like him more between Christmas and New Year's. (laughs) What sin is in my life that I have not addressed? The reason I want to I push us all in this, myself included, asking myself these questions this week is, have you, ever, have you ever had a moment where maybe you're trying on a new pair of like running shoes or training shoes or, or just, just shoes, and you put them on and you go, these aren't very comfortable, <laughs> but I'm going to get them anyway. And as you move throughout your day or you go for a jog or you try to, try to do whatever it is you do, you're like, these really aren't comfortable, <laughs> but it's probably fine. And you keep going and you keep going until you just get the worst blister on planet Earth. And blisters are the worst because no one cares that you have a blister. <laughs> when you try to like talk to your significant other or friend, like I have this really bad blister, they're like, come on, dude, that's not a big deal. When, when we allow these things to be in our life, when we don't address them, it's like strapping on these running shoes every day. <laughs> it's like, oh, this isn't very good, this isn't very good, this isn't very good, and then something breaks. <laughs> Something gets really uncomfortable. And we have a chance as Jesus followers, because God is good and God loves us, to catch it. (laughs) To catch it before it gets to that point. We want to look at sin we haven't addressed. It goes on to say, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So here's the path that we're on, right? We're putting aside weights, we're putting aside sins, and here's what we're doing. We're going to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Here's one of my very, excuse me, I actually, I actually skipped over a, a part of the scripture. I'm going to rewind for just a second. It actually goes on and says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So so what I want to point out there, this is one of my most favorite things about being a Jesus follower. It's unique to Christianity. Christianity is not a spectator sport. When we choose to follow Jesus, 
there is action for us to take. He has a race for us to run. Set before us. That means right now, in this moment, no matter who you are and no matter what your story is, God has something for you. God's not done with you. And our role in this is to run with endurance. You see it all connecting? This is why we want to get rid of weights and we want to get rid of sins that cling so closely. We want to get these things out of our lives because we have a race to run. And what a great blessing, guys. What tremendous freedom that in our short time here on earth, God has work for us to do. I don't know about you, but for whatever years I'm allotted, I want to give it my all. The race that is set before me. Weights and sins will sap our endurance. And the enemy wants nothing more than to take you out of the game because you have a unique contribution to make to God's kingdom. There are family members to love. There are communities to care for. There are organizations to start. There are Christ-centered businesses to be led. There are so many things that we can do to impact the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want anything to stop me from that. I want to run with endurance, and whenever it is that the Lord calls me home, I'd really like to get up to heaven in a stretcher. (laughs) Wouldn't you all like to be spent that way? That we ran so well and we were so focused on the prize, on looking for moments that God was working, on seeing the Lord in everything, on continually evaluating, that when we got up to heaven, it's like, man, they really spent themselves. Someone... Someone go grab Jesus and Gabriel. That that person's going to need a little more help. (laughs) Want to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now more than ever, friends, our job is not just to protect our, our turf. In this cultural moment that we're in, we have work to do. As Jesus followers, we're called to be a light to the world, a city on a hill, salt that hasn't lost its flavor. This is a moment for us. So let's have nothing that stops us from it. Now to the verse I was getting to. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. This is the focus of the Christian. And I want to make a distinction here for us. The focus of the Christian is not behavioral modification. It's not getting rid of weights and sins so that we can be good people. We're missing the mark if it's like, hey, I just got to go home and I got to make a list of weights, got to make a list of sins, and I got to get it all out. That's, that's not what the role or the goal of being a Christian is. What we want to do is we want to look at Jesus because what God's word teaches us is that the journey of the believer is that we would become more like Jesus. And that as we we look at him, we're shaped by who he is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so if you if you follow Jesus, Jesus has your heart. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The, The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We want to be more like Jesus. This is what we're after. 
And so Jesus is a friend to each and every one of us who falls short of God's glory. No one has to raise their hands here or online, but you, you had a moment recently where you felt like you missed out on, on God's best, <laughs> where you had some weights, you had some sins, you didn't run with endurance. I, I know I have. When we set our eyes on Jesus, we can't ignore the fact that it's actually not about us and that Jesus is doing work on us. I want to help illustrate this a little, a little more deeply for you guys because it says we're going to look at Jesus. So I, w- I want to share, to be honest, a, a deeply personal moment God's worked in my life with this. 21 years ago, when... I was, a, I was a boy, to be honest with you, 21 years ago. Uh, my mother went to drop me off at a karate tournament. It's like the late 90s, early 2000s. That's what you did, karate tournaments. And she wasn't feeling well. She felt feverish, and so she went to a doctor's office, and they said something is very wrong. And we lived in Las Vegas at the time, and they airlifted her from Las Vegas to UCLA Medical Center. And within 48 hours, they had put her on life support. One week later, I had a moment that you wouldn't wish for any child where my dad and my grandmother sat me down in my little red car bed and they said that your mom is not going to live. And what they explained to me is this concept that's in pop culture of pulling the plug on life support. And they didn't know what was wrong with her, but they just knew she wasn't strong enough. So the day comes and I go to say goodbye to her and I can still remember as a little boy walking down the the hallways at the UCLA Medical Center. And we walked into the room and I said goodbye to her. And that evening when they go to pull the plug, there's a miracle that occurs. And she begins to be able to breathe on her own. And for the last 21 years of my life, I have walked a line of tremendous joy and tremendous pain because what my mother has is a tremendously aggressive and advanced autoimmune condition. And so for the last 21 years, I've been blessed to have a mother. For the last 21 years, I've also had to watch her decline, slowly. And there comes a moment when you're a young boy where you start to realize that you're being hurt. And what do we do when we're hurt? We close up, right? Isn't it a human defense mechanism to protect ourselves? And so here's what God's been working on in my life lately, is at some point in this 20-plus year journey, I stopped looking at my mother. Okay? Looking to Jesus. I stopped looking at my mother. Why? Because looking was painful. Because when you look, you see this person who you can remember as a little boy scooping you off the sofa and taking and tucking you into bed, and you can still smell the perfume. And as you get older and you watch this person decline and you're helping get them to bed, (laughs) you're helping in those moments, you can't look because it hurts. And just recently, my mother's been in the hospital, and I've been sitting with her. And I felt like God just started whispering, look. And as I actually looked at her, and she wasn't just present in the room, but as I looked at her, and and golly, with the restrictions in place, there can only be one person in the room at a time. (laughs) So you can't run. (laughs) 
As I actually looked at her, I saw a woman who had fought and battled and survived. I saw the same beautiful mother who after 20 years looks so different. And there are some more lines of time on her face. There's some more pain. She doesn't move like she used to, but as I look at her, I see her. I take her in. I see how strong she is. I see how faithful she is. I see her witness for Jesus. I see a legacy of dozens of nurses coming to know God through my mom. But it only happens when I'm looking. And I asked her last week, I was sitting, it was just her and I, and I just said, because I'm looking and this, this hurts. <laughs> and I just asked her, I said, how? How have you done this the last 20 years? How are you so strong? And she looked at me and she said, pure grit and pure Jesus, baby. <laughs> you see, when we actually look at something, we understand it more deeply. We take on some of its characteristics. We want to be more like where our attention and where our eyes are set. But it only happens when we actually look, not when it's just window dressing or just a part of our life or something we're trying to ignore. So when I say as a brother in the face, let's look at Jesus, I say that because when we look at him, we see a God who is loving. We see a God who cares for our neighbors even when we can't. We see someone who, who, who is pointing, we see a God who is pointing us in the right direction. We're shaped, we're less concerned with ourselves, we're more concerned with others, we're more loving, we're more gracious. We want to look at Jesus, he's the founder and perfecter of our faith. But it only happens if we look. And what I fear is that for some of us, Jesus has been around for a long time, but maybe because of some weights and sins, we've stopped looking at him. I want to encourage you to look at Jesus. Here's our final question and section of scripture I'll read. The third question is, what am I focused on? What am I focused on? We're all focused on something. <laughs> what is it for you today? The final section of scripture goes like this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What we believe right now is that with all of the craziness in our world and all of the scary news headlines and all of the stresses that you still have to navigate on a daily basis, that there is someone who went before before there were definitions for democracy, before there were concepts of our countries, before there were salaries and benefits, before there were stresses around family, before all these things, there was a God who went before, who endured the cross, who puts aside the shame, and what we can rest in confidently is that right now, we believe he is with the Lord on our behalf that he is for you, and that he wants the very best for you. And this is the good news of the gospel. Not that you and I have it all together, because we don't. I've got weights and sins that I will still carry off this stage, and so will you. But we believe that right now there is a good God who is for us, 
who is on our team, who is on our side, who doesn't need you to have it all together. And he's already carried it all. And so there's a deep freedom we can experience. And every day there are moments. There are cars that hit the house, little frustrations at work, moments in your marriage, moments with your kids, moments with your families, moments with your friends, every single day where we can say, I want to lean into that or I want to lean away. The call of the Jesus followers to lean in to what God is doing. I truly believe that, that now more than ever, our world needs the local church. It needs people who are fired up about this, who believe the best, who are going to put aside weights, who are going to put aside sins, who see that they have a race set before them to run. And when people say, well, you're not perfect, you're like, I know, <laughs> but I'm looking at Jesus, and he is. And that as we lean into these truths as Jesus followers, we find a life that is truly living. And we find grace and we find peace and it transforms communities, families, our churches, our schools. That this is the call of the Christian. So, humbly and lovingly, that's my encouragement for you today. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, that we would look at Jesus, get rid of these weights and sins. Let me pray for you. God, we love you and I thank you for each and every person in this room. God, I pray that you would help us answer these questions. Help us to see weights that we have, sins that we haven't addressed, areas that we're focused in and shouldn't be. Um, help us look at you, Lord, and, and today help us to be reminded that you are loving and you care for us deeply, Lord. Um, I pray for anyone in this room that feels discouraged, God, that you would give them peace and strength and encouragement. We love you, Lord. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that we're not being constantly measured, that you care for us, that we have work to do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.